Hey, and welcome back to the podcast, Matrix Breakers. I've had a little hiatus there for a moment, and I'm gonna give you guys a life update. Um, And there's so much, obviously, going on that has developed over the past 30 days since the last time I was able to even make a podcast. Um, And we'll get to some of that, uh, but I wanted to just share with you guys some of the more business and entrepreneurial stuff that I engage with just to kind of, you know, um, live in the world that we live in. And a lot of you may not know, but um, I have a big entrepreneurship business background. uh, And I've been studying that from some of the greatest people, uh, arguably greatest trainers, um, greatest business people in the world. Um, And so I spent uh, first really seven years of my adult life from 18 to about 25, uh, just kind of going to as many conferences as I possibly could, absorbing all the knowledge that I possibly could, and just having multiple awakenings, I would say even multiple and accelerated amount of red pills, you know, and red, red pills being like, for me and my own personal story, uh, business and capitalism being one of the first red pills, and the uh, antithesis of socialism and collectivism, uh, the what we've been seeing uh, in terms of the authoritarian nature coming from our politicians today, as well as a lot of millennials and Generation Z, uh, where they believe that somehow socialism or communism or some level of collectivism, uh, which works in a very local, very, um, I would even say it doesn't work all the way, but maybe in the side of a household or inside of kind of like a, a commune of some kind on small scales, it'll work, uh, collectivism models, uh, while in large scale, l- large look at large economies, um, it obviously does not work that way. And we've tried this many, many times here in America, by the way, even early America, when we were uh, founding the, the entire landmass that was here in North America. Uh, but not to get into the whole historical aspect of that, Okay, sorry guys, a little little blip there. My my computer like went to sleep for a second. I think I'm still recording though. Um, anyway, so yeah, I'm not gonna get into a whole diatribe over the historical analysis of collectivism and socialism in and out of America uh, throughout the history, but it's a very fascinating history. Um, now, I will say for me, uh, being red pilled in that business environment uh, has allowed me to open my mind to alternative ways to make money. Uh, and so a couple things happened over the past, uh, really more acceleratedly, I would say the past two months, um, but really overall the past five months. Um, and so some of you who know my personal life, I bought a Subaru Forester. Um, I do live in Colorado. And if anybody knows anything about Colorado, uh, you would know that Subaru is maybe behind Jeep, but one of the best selling cars in Colorado. Lots and lots and lots of Subaru owners here in Colorado because Subaru, whether it's a car or their biggest SUV, a Subaru is all wheel drive. And in this state of Colorado, you really need an all wheel drive. The only rear wheel drive or just um, front wheel drive vehicles are very much just in the city of Denver or metropolis areas in Colorado Springs and those kinds of zones. Uh, However, when it comes to mountain driving or really anything that's in the winter time that's leaving or going any in, in, in any extraneous uh, activity outside of the city, you're really gonna want an all-wheel drive car or of course a four x four, right? So I had a Dodge Charger. It was a rear wheel, totally just American muscle car, a very Texas car. 
Um, and I was happy with it. I absolutely loved the Dodge Charger. I loved driving it. I never complained about having one, and uh, I, I, you know, just it was great. Um, but of course, living here in Colorado, it was time to, you know, get into an all-wheel drive vehicle, something that was a little safer, um, something that would probably allow me to drive and do more, uh, more often throughout the seasons. Um, so, and what I've noticed is, you know, the seasons here, if you don't have an all-wheel drive car, um, you're really not going to be able to get around too much in all the seasons. So I went ahead and I kind of like overcommitted, I would say, or just, or I, I would say quickly committed uh, to a Subaru Forester. Um, it was a used 2018 Subaru Forester. It was in incredibly impeccable condition. Um, so that's why I went ahead with the purchase. Um, but what ended up happening was I wasn't as satisfied with the, I would say the technology or just the driving feeling inside of the vehicle. Um, I, I, you know, I, I say that Subarus are probably great rugged cars, but you know, for your everyday car and for kind of a mixture between pleasure uh, and adventure, um, and then driving, I just it wasn't the combination I wanted. It was like it was like nine out of ten adventure, but for like comfort, it was like a three out of ten. I just didn't really like it as much. So I went ahead and decided, hey, it's only been like six months, but I want to somehow trade this Forester in. Well, what had happened, as I ran into a couple hiccups, and, and you guys listening now, I mean, you, you, you may be interested in this, but I think that with solving my own problems uh, throughout this journey, I, I think that it's worthwhile, valuable to share with all of you because you may experience problems in life where you really don't know the solution in its entirety. Um, you may know some part of a solution and it may take more time and more processing for you to fully see the solution all the way through. Um, and that's exactly what happened with this Subaru. So at first, I was actually looking to trade the vehicle in. And I was even thinking at first, I wanted a, another Subaru Forester, maybe even like a bigger one or something, or I mean a newer one. Um, However, that was not the case. I actually did a couple different quick looks around and one of the cars that kept popping up for me was a Toyota RAV4 hybrid. Um, and I wanted the hybrid just because we've all been seeing gas prices and although I am one for politically wanting to control that issue and making sure that we elect representatives that are able to maintain and promote, I would even say, um, the gasoline, oil, gasoline um, resourcefulness that America has plenty of. Um, so while that is sort of in the making, we're not there quite yet. Uh, we will endure a, a very sort of sustained period of time of very high, incredibly ridiculous gas prices and energy costs going up, right? So in, in the time being, I was looking at Toyota RAV4 Hybrid, and that's what I really thought that I wanted. Now, I did drive one around, um, and the availability for these hybrid vehicles are just really slim. And I told myself, okay, I, I, at this point, I definitely want a hybrid SUV. So I was definitely not going to get a gas SUV. I was going to get a hybrid. So I made that decision, and I'm like, I'm very open. I like the Toyota RAV4. It was a little bit loud inside the vehicle. I noticed that the Toyota RAV4s um, they tend to just run a bit louder. The engine is loud, and it's um, they, they don't it's they don't have a quiet cabin. Basically, uh, is is one of the things that I, I noticed up front. Um, and so 
other than that, again, the main issue was that they just were not available. They said that they may get them and, and that I'd have to order one or I'd have to be on a wait list and things like that. So I was willing to do that. So um, for a time being, I was interested in that. Then I learned about a Hyundai Tucson hybrid. The Hyundai Tucson is the equivalent size um, model, if you will, to the Toyota RAV4, that same class. Um, but it's in the Hyundai version. So I was taking a look at the Hyundai. They have a brand new hybrid, just came out in 2022. Uh, and so I started going on this huge search for the Hyundai. So I'm, I'm, I'm driving around, I'm going to all these Hyundai dealerships. They don't have this hybrid Tucson anywhere. Um, you'd have to order it, same thing like the Toyota RAV4, and you'd have to wait about six to eight months. I was a little impatient and I just said to myself, look, I'm trying to get this car as soon as possible. Now, looking back, I, I, I noticed, it, of course, that that was not the ideal situation. Um, I could have definitely waited. I could have definitely placed an order for any of these cars and it would have, it would have worked itself out, right? Um, but I didn't, right? And I was looking for a car and so I, I was committed to this Hyundai Tucson hybrid. I was doing all these YouTube researches. I was doing all this Google research. I knew more about this car than the actual car dealer knew about the vehicle. So I was doing way more research. I was looking into all the things. And so I settled on the Hyundai Tucson hybrid. I was thinking, when do I get it? I was on the phone with dealerships. I even called a dealership. I called dealerships in New Mexico. I called a dealership in Austin, Texas, where I'm like, okay, maybe I can fly down there, pick up the car, drive back to Colorado. You know, I was thinking unbelievably ridiculous things just to get this Hyundai Tucson. And eventually, because all the roadblocks I was experiencing, I kind of thought to myself, what is spiritually happening here? Like, why am I experiencing this roadblock constantly to try and get a new vehicle? And by the way, I ended up wanting a brand new vehicle because the price of used cars was so inflated that it was just like buying a house right now. Buying a house, um, no offense if you did buy a house in the last two or three years, you are buying at the top of the market. The, the housing market has obviously exploded in prices over the past three years, exploded exponentially. Like it looks like a steady trend up. So yes, of course, when you buy a house, you're gonna, you know, the value of it is gonna increase. But I mean, you're talking like TikTok, you know, like it just went way up and people were buying like crazy because the supply of homes for sale was very low. There weren't a lot of homes for sale. And that was the big issue. So a bunch of people buying houses. Same thing with cars. A lot of people buying used cars. I was one of them. So I knew I made the mistake of buying a used vehicle during this period of time. And I'm thinking, look, I've already made a mistake. I bought a used vehicle. Um, I paid probably 30% more than what it was worth. Uh, and so that's just not cool, especially with a used vehicle. I mean, you're already, you are at a point in depreciation where it's not going to depreciate any much further. Um, it depends on what mileage you get it at. I got an extended warranty though on mine. And so it just depends on the kind of car buyer you are. However, I was in the position where I said, look, I'm not going to get another used vehicle. I'm not going to overpay for a vehicle. I'm going to get either a brand new car or something that's maybe a year old or two. So with all that being said, I, I'm having to do all this thing. And I've committed to this Hyundai Tucson. And so, like I said, I questioned why, what, why isn't this not happening? So I looked up what, what hybrid SUVs were coming out in 2022. And what I noticed was that there was a 2023 Kia Sportage hybrid coming out in what they said was spring of 2022. So I'm like, whoa, spring. I mean, that's right around the corner. This was like during the winter. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to like take a look at this Kia Sportage. And apparently they 
had released the Kia Sportage Hybrid in Europe and in South Korea already. So there were reviews on YouTube, but they were in South Korea and they were in Europe. And so I'm looking at all these Europeans and these South Koreans talk about the Kia Sportage Hybrid and they absolutely loved it. And it was a, um, it was incredible. The Kia has been bought by Hyundai. So they're basically the same company. And the Tucson was like the cousin car to the Kia Sportage Hybrid. And so it's the same sort of engine around the same price range as well. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, this car, the car got me because they have a a large display and it's just, it was a larger vehicle, even than the Tucson and even larger than the Toyota RAV4. And people in Colorado absolutely love their Toyota RAV4s. They're, it's, they're all over the place. And so to me, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, I'm going to look at this Kia Sportage Hybrid. I'm going to see when it comes out. So I started going to, I went to this Kia dealership down the road from my house and I started talking to them. And I said, look, man, I'm looking at this Kia Sportage Hybrid. I know you don't even have it and you don't even know anything about when it's coming out, but I know it's coming out in spring. And that's exactly how they felt. They said, we have no idea when we're going to get any. Um, you're looking at a, like a very far out. We, we really don't know supply chain issues, all the problems. And so again, I knew more about the vehicle than the sales guy did, right? And even the manager, I started talking to the manager there. They had no idea anything about the Kia Sportage Hybrid. They just knew that they were going to get them eventually. Well, they got the gas version first. So the gas version came in. They talked to me, hey, do you want the gas version? It is available. We are getting a couple in, the, in uh, to our dealership if you wanted. Someone said, no, absolutely not. I'm looking for the hybrid. I will be patient. So eventually I felt that, okay, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to make sure I get the right vehicle this time. So I, I knew that it was the Kia Sportage Hybrid. This was the dream vehicle. And for you guys out there, dream cars are like Lamborghinis and you know Mercedes this and that. And I mean, to be honest, I could care less about that. Cars have never really been a big motivator for me. Um, but I can tell you right now that if, when you live in Colorado, if you can find an SUV that's a hybrid, that's classy and that can fit your shit in there and that can tow a, t a, a trailer, that can uh, you can put a tow package on, that you can put a roof rack on, like that's more important. That, that right there is like, it's funny what people value in different parts of the country, but that right there is the highest value you could possibly have in Colorado because you have enough to put skis on the top roof rack or gear on the top roof rack and a bike rack on there or you can pull a trailer and that's even more important because people love camping here so much. So really the Kia Sportage Hybrid was a dream car. I mean if you're living in Colorado, I would say a hybrid SUV is a dream car. Um, and so I knew I had my sights set on the Kia Sportage Hybrid and I was ready to rock and roll. So Funny enough, even though we weren't sure about when it was going to come out, I was hedging my bets. And so I went ahead and went back to Toyota and I put a down payment on a Toyota deposit, $500. And I said, look, if you guys can get me in the next, you know, allocation is what they call it. And allocation means like what a dealership is going to receive in terms of vehicles from the manufacturer. So these allocations are kind of updated every week and you know these dealerships can't control necessarily what they decide or what they're able to get from the manufacturer whether it's Toyota or Kia or Hyundai. So I was saying, "Hey, look, I'm going to put my deposit down. This is the kind of vehicle I'm looking for. If something matches this vehicle or somewhere close to it, I'm willing to come in and and pick up that car." So I went ahead and put a deposit down for the Toyota RAV4 Hybrid just 
just because I was willing to say, hey, maybe the Kia Sportage Hybrid isn't going to work out. I have no idea. So I went and deposited there. Then I went and put a deposit um, down at, well, then I couldn't even put a deposit down at Kia yet. So then what happened was two weeks later, I get a call from the Kia dealership and they said, hey, congratulations, bro. You actually can finally order the Kia Sportage Hybrid. We're not getting any yet. We're not even getting an allocation but you can order one and we really don't know when you'll get it. It may be four months, it may be six months from now, but if it's the car that you want, you can go ahead and order it. And I said to myself, all right, if I go ahead and order this car, uh, maybe I'll get it by October, November, whatever, and at least I'll have it and I'll be one of the first people that have it. And so I'm like, all right, cool. I'm gonna go ahead and do that. So I actually did a deposit at two different dealerships. So now I have over $1,500 going towards, one towards a Toyota RAV4 hybrid, and I got two deposits at two different Kia dealerships saying, hey, if you get the Kia Sportage before this dealership, then I will go with you. However, if they get it first, I'm gonna get a refund for my deposit. So I'm literally hedging. I'm like totally hedging. And this is a business concept as well because now you're like, all right, what about all this and and, and hedging and and you're able to get what you want. If you call, the, this is like kind of like with a, doc, with a doctor, right? Get a second opinion. Call another doctor. Call another, you know, uh, whatever business. Get another quote. Get a second quote, right? And that's kind of what I was doing with these dealerships. I was pinning them against each other to increase the value of my experience so that they know that they're in competition. And so also what 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 equally happened is I experienced um, a blessing, I would say like an angel. Uh, I was trying to, since my trade-in value for, for my Subaru Forester, I would have to be looking at negative equity that would be rolling into a new auto loan. So if anybody knows or made a mistake before where you bought a car and you weren't happy with it and you wanted to trade it in within six months, you definitely haven't paid down enough to get that trade-in value, if that makes any sense, right? So if I bought the vehicle, and this is some math for you, and maybe you guys can enjoy the kind of the, the analytics here. Um, I bought the vehicle for, I, I was financing it at $26,000, right? Um, or, or yeah, it was basically tw- almost $27,000 that I was financing. I had brought the payments down, uh, I brought the, the I put enough equity in there to where the the loan amount, was, and I had an ex- and a warranty, by the way. So I had another $3,000 warranty. So the car was only like 24,000, 23,000 something. So that's how much the car was worth. But then when you add the warranty and then the taxes, it, it, it kind of adds up, right? So here I am financing all of this and the trade-in value for the Subaru Forester, the best possible trade-in value I could get was $20,000. So if it's $20,000 and I owe $24,000, well, that's called four grand, four grand, is negative equity, right? Because there's $4,000 that I still owe to the auto loan uh, that would be on the Forester. Even if I traded the auto loan in, the trade amount wasn't going to suffice to pay off the entire auto loan that I've already gotten. Here's the other issue I was having. I have an extended warranty on the Subaru Forester. And so with this warranty, I'm only able to, um, I'm only able to privately, trans transition what's the word i'm looking for i'm only able to privately transition this uh this warranty to somebody else um i'm not able to get my money back or get a refund from the warranty company believe it or not by the way really interesting situation there 
So I can't get a refund for a trade-in. So now really the most financial situation, financially sound thing to do would be for me to um, privately sell the Forester so that I could privately transfer the warranty to the new owner. And so I talked to the Subaru people about it and they were like, to be honest, dude, if you put this on Facebook Marketplace, there's a high likelihood that you might sell it and you will just have to fill out a, a couple extra things of paperwork, but otherwise you're able to get it sold and uh, you can get the money that you want for it and then you know, you're know you able to pay it off. And I said, okay, fine. So I'm gonna sell the Subaru Forester for $25,000 that comes with the warranty. It's already less than um, what they would be paying if they bought it from a dealership. So I'm like, all right, someone's getting a good deal on it. I'm getting out of it because that's what I, I'm just looking for an exit out of the Subaru. So I went ahead and I listed it on Facebook Marketplace. And so I got a couple bites. I got a couple people hitting me up. Two weeks after I listed it on Facebook Marketplace, I actually had a message come in from somebody who looked like they were interested in buying the vehicle. And they said, hey man, this car would kill it on Toro. And I had heard of Toro before because I had used Toro once before. And so... I'm thinking to myself, Toro, huh? That's like a car rental app, like a peer-to-peer -peer car rental app, which is like the Airbnb for cars. Um, people who have cars and you know they're not doing anything with the car or maybe they work from home or maybe they make a business out of it and they wanna buy multiple cars and put them on Toro. Apparently, Toro is a place where that is a possibility. And I started kind of thinking, okay, this guy's randomly telling me that Toro is a good spot to do this at. So for me, um, I went ahead and he, he actually sent me a website. He says, hey, look, man, on this website, you can put the model, um, the, the, the city that you're in, and you can get an estimate on how much money your car can make based on your city. And I'm like, okay, great. So I, I put it on my information, the Subaru Forester 2018, all the things. And what came back was I could make $2,000 a month. And I'm thinking, well, car payment and insurance is $500. A month so I'm like well I'm thinking this actually makes sense for me I could um, put this on Turo and if I make a $1,500 profit even if I make a thousand dollar profit like say $500 goes to something else even if I make a thousand dollar profit that would be absolutely wonderful um, that would be just cool I don't know how that would work but I would make it work so I went ahead and said okay I'm gonna give this a try so I listed my Subaru Forester on Turo and I got a booking and I figured out, I'm like, okay, I have to like drive to the airport, drop the car off. I'm like, there's gotta be a better system. I didn't really think much about it then. I just went ahead and did the whole drop it off at the airport. So basically with Toro at the Denver airport, at the moment that I did it for the first time, I actually drove my Subaru, I cleaned my Forester, I emptied all the personal belongings out of there and I drove the Forester to the airport and I, it, as if to pick up the person who was renting it. So it's like a like passenger pickup. So I went, pulled up to the curb. I would always meet with these renters and I would shake their hand. Hi, how's it going? Hey, here's how the car works a little bit. Here's how all the functions are, what they do, whatever. And then I would say, okay, here's the car keys. And they would take pictures, I would take pictures. And then I walked in with a backpack and I took public transportation. There's a, there a shuttle bus that actually would take me right back to uh, Boulder, Colorado, which is where I live. And so I was able to take public transportation back to Boulder, right? $10 bus ticket. And I'm doing the math and I'm like, okay, that took some time, had to drive to the airport. Now I'm taking a bus back, you know, okay, cool, whatever. And, they, and she has the car for five days. So for me, I'm like, all right, this is cool. I just need to get a good review. I need to feel into it and see how this works. So what happened then was I decided, all right, I like this Turo thing. I definitely want another car. 
and I can't really sell the car. It's not selling like, like I thought it would sell on Facebook Marketplace. And so I'm basically saying to myself, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and put it on Tura. So I went ahead and put it on Tura. And uh, like I said, got that first booking. And then I opened up my calendar because once I was able to order my Kia Sportage Hybrid, I was like, all right, maybe I'll open the calendar up on there and maybe get some bookings. So my summer actually got booked up. June, July, and parts of August was completely booked up. And I was making about $800 to $1,000 profit. And so I'm like, cool, that's pretty amazing. Even with the cheap prices and um, with my low reviews, because reviews are kind of the life and lifeblood of any peer-to-peer um, app, if you've noticed, by the way, guys, your reviews on Airbnb and things like that are very, very important. So I'm thinking, hey, I'm already making a little bit of money. There's projected earnings for June, July, August. I'm pretty happy with that. I said, you know, I'm ready to move on and, and maybe I can get a car. So I ordered the I ordered the vehicle, went ahead and placed the order. Uh, for the Kia Sportage. So now I'm going to have two cars, right? And now I'm like, okay, two cars. That's, you know, that's, that's kind of a weird thing, but Hey, one of them is a business and one of them is my own vehicle. And so that's kind of what has been going on in my life. Just generally speaking, I've been kind of trying to figure balance out like, okay, let's get this tour situation figured out. So that's all happening. And then in April, this is about two weeks before I ordered the car. It's a totally separate story, uh, but it also has to do with why I've been so swamped and so busy. Um, My brother approaches me about buying a travel trailer, like a camper, and then renting it out on apps like Outdoorsy or RV Share and these other uh, peer-to-peer trailer rental apps, right? So now I'm thinking, okay, this is like Airbnb, it's like Turo, but it's for RVs and it's for travel trailers. So I'm thinking to myself, wow, um, this is an interesting business model. So I did some research, looked into it, and I, I, said, we, I said to myself, look, we have to basically get a very small trailer because I've been hearing the horror stories when you get like bigger trailers with, you know, with, um, you know, bathrooms and, and a large, you know, it's just a lot of cleaning. It's a lot of cleaning, a lot of maintenance. And honestly, a lot can go wrong. That's the problem with these kinds of trailers. A lot can go wrong. And so I said to myself, well, I said to my brother too, hey, we're going to get a smaller trailer. Seems like these teardrops are the ones that are killing it out there, right? You've got like, it's just a bed. And then on the outside, you kind of like open up this other hatch and there's a huge, um, sort of not huge, I would say, but like just a, a good size kitchen space, kitchen area with a sink and with a stove top. And, you know, I'm like, hey, this kind of camper is beautiful. It's kind of like a glorified tent. It's it's small. It can be pulled by virtually any vehicle that can have a tow package on it. So any vehicle can pull this thing. Um, it's got some water supply in there and it's got, it's very comfortable. So I'm thinking, hey, this is, this is a great idea. So we went, we went ahead and went RV shopping. So here we are in April, RV shopping. We basically found a brand new one, 2021. Um, it's called, it's a Braxton Creek Free Solo. Really beautiful little travel trailer. Um, if you've been seeing my social media, then you've definitely seen that I bought a trailer. Um, and so I said to myself, hey, let's make this work out. So we went ahead and bought the trailer. So while I'm trying to buy a car, I'm now buying a travel trailer, right? So now I've got the car on Turo and then I got the travel trailer. So we went ahead and got the travel trailer. Um, we ordered it and we, we, we picked it up and we brought it back to the house. We listed it and now we've already got it booked out. So it's already been booked a couple weekends. A couple families have already taken it out to the Rocky Mountain National Park and other areas nearby. Um, and it's been absolutely phenomenal and it absolutely is a moneymaker. So now I've created two different, I would say not passive, but I would say semi-passive. Why do I say semi-passive? 
Well, the travel trailer, you do still have to kind of communicate with people and kind of make sure that things are going right and you have to answer a lot of questions and stuff like that. Um, and also, um, you do have to clean the travel trailer. However, you do get paid to clean the trailer. It's called a prep fee. So you basically just, if you can get someone to clean it for you, then it would become automated and passive, like very passive. Um, however, if you're like my brother and I, we're just like, hey, we're just gonna clean the trailer. It only takes like 20, 30 minutes. We just have to wash some of the sheets and blankets in there, um, which takes a little longer, but it's not like we're doing much. So really that's a semi-passive situation. And mostly so far, we've had people actually come to our house and pick up the trailer, uh, which has really worked out for us. Now, check this out. I'm gonna complete the whole thing with Toro. So I have, of course, bought the Kia Sportage. It came in way earlier than October, November. The car came in by the end of May. So now I just bought a trailer and then I just bought a Kia, a car. I bought a trailer and a car within a month of each other. So I'm like, boom, now I'm, now I'm solid. I'm in, I've got the vehicles. And that took so much mental processing. I had to do all this extra stuff. I was making extra money, doing everything else I could do. And I had to step away from even doing content creation in a, in a big way because I'm like, whoa, I need to focus on setting up these systems. Now, for most of you who know, um, the way my human design and my brain works is I have to like really get grounded and I have to really settle into a system. And once I know, I've, once I've developed systems that work for me, that, that are created, even if I have to still go in and work the system a little bit, uh, like if it's cleaning the trailer or, or driving to the airport, whatever, even if I work in that system, I have to set up a system that works for me and that feels good. Literally, or my brain will go crazy. I, I can't I can't actually focus on anything else until I square away these major problems and these major businesses that I'm doing. I couldn't actually focus on really really delivering great content. Um, and so this is why uh, when I in April then May was just this like jammed up area where I'm like boom I bought a trailer boom I bought a car now we got to make sure that this all pays off right now I got to make sure my Toro is booked out now I got to make sure the travel trailer it starts making us money then I got to pay for the registration for the trailer registration for the car which is like in Colorado guys registration for a car is like for my car it's gonna be like seven hundred fifty dollars unlike Texas where it's like eighty bucks you know seven fifty bucks it's like a whole nother freaking um, there's like two car payments, you know? And so that's a struggle, right? That's freaking insane. Um, and so now I have to like pay all that. So I'm like, okay, wow. Then what happened last week was, so I've been doing the Toro thing now. Um, I've gotten like th uh, five reservations so far and I've completed them. Um, and so lately what I've been doing is I had been driving to the airport to pick them up, right? And then I'm thinking, I gotta figure out another system. Funny enough, Toro is like, hey, you can't drive your car to the airport anymore. That's what they basically, they made a big email announcement saying Denver airport is no longer allowing Toro drivers to drive your car to the airport and then take public transportation. I'm like, wow. Well, I was like, that's a huge relief because I don't wanna be doing that. I want to find a better system. And so um, just to complete this whole thing, and if you're interested in this, you're already interested, you're already listening. So I'm just gonna tell you how I actually, the business, my business mind, how things worked out. So Toro recommended that I, uh, well, all the Toro people, they, all, that all Toro hosts, they call us hosts, we're hosting the car, right? So they say that all Toro hosts should just park the, 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 the car that's being rented out at the Denver airport parking lot. The Denver airport parking lot is $17 a day, okay? Now, you can charge the customer for a delivery fee. And in that delivery fee, you can include the cost of the parking. So I understand that concept, right? 
However, I'm also not cool with like just any out-of-pocket expenses for the renter and or myself. And so what would, what has been happening is uh, people on YouTube were talking about, oh yeah, I leave the car at the at the airport and then I put a $20 bill in the cup holder so that whenever they get in the car, they just pay with the $20 to get out or whatever. And I'm like, that just seems like a lot of money. It seems like a bit of a hassle. There's got to be a more efficient way to sort of you know make this work out. So this is kind of inter- may interest you if you're into business, you're end up setting up systems. And by the way, I mean if you ever want to give me a call and like get coaching and business advice, I will absolutely be able to do that for you cuz I can work problems out very very easily in my brain. It just takes me a while, but I mean I I can really work them all out. So this is what I came to. Um so I was um, actually um, for my own self. I was using an airport called Avid Hotel, and at Avid Hotel, you are able to park your car there for a week for twenty five dollars, which is unheard of. As I just told you, it's twenty dollars a day at the airport, at the Denver airport, right? The parking lot. Uh, and so if it's twenty five dollars a week, uh, you're saving a lot of money. So I'm thinking to myself, wow, twenty five dollars a week. That's pretty incredible. So what I said was, I'm gonna I'm gonna park the vehicle. I'm gonna pay for a month at this Avid Hotel, $100, I'm gonna pay for the whole month and it will have, I will be able to park it there, right? And so then I thought to myself, well, okay, if I do that, I wanna try to, I don't ever wanna bring the car home. I don't wanna have to drive it home and then have to clean it and stuff at near at the car wash near my house or detail it, whatever. So I thought to myself, I wonder if there's a car wash that's nearby this um, this this hotel. And lo and behold, there was a beautiful, awesome, sort of like zip-in car wash free vacuums basically one mile away. And so I'm like, wow, well, if I get a membership at this car wash, all I'll have to do is I'll drive my Kia, I'll drive myself to the hotel. This is just about four or five times a month I have to do this, uh, depending on the reservations. But like, I would just drive myself to to the hotel, take the car, drive it down this so now i'm getting out of my kia and into my my forester my subaru then i'm driving the subaru down the street get the car wash do the whole detail cleaning make sure it looks real nice for the next renter right then drive it that takes about 30 minutes and then i drive it right back to the hotel one mile away then i get out of the subaru have a lockbox, right so the lockbox and key deal so now I have a lockbox. I put the car key in there. I set the code. I put it on top of the car. Now it's secure. It's locked. Now I jump back into the Kia. The Subaru is now fully refreshed and turned over, as they call it in business, a turnover. How fast is your turnover, right? So like a tables at a restaurant or a massage table, you know, like it's it's the the equipment you might use for to to service clients, right? Well, in this case, it's the vehicle. So the vehicle, how fast can I get it turned over? Well, I was able to do it, and I'm timing myself now. It's about 30 minutes of time to just to just wash it and clean it up. So then I'm like, all right, now I jump in my Kia, and then I can drive my happy ass wherever the hell I want to. So far, I've already been making friends in Denver. So I'm I'm actually uh, going to Denver, and I'm already kind of like hanging out with people and doing stuff. So. That that's been good. I've been making good good on like you know getting around a little bit because I don't go to Denver very often. If you don't know, I live in Longmont, so that's like a little bit north of Denver. It's like 40, 42 minute drive from the airport, um, but it's about forty minutes from Denver generally. Um, so, anyways, that whole thing. I, and so I found a system. Right, that happened literally this week. I completed that system. I got the lockbox. The lockbox I had it didn't fit the key, so I had to return that lockbox. Like. The stuff, the amount of things that I've already been through just challenging myself, it has really taught me a lot. 
Um, and this is why I'm sharing all this with you because look guys, if you're able to set up systems around the things that you do, um, processes, right? These processes, then you're able to kind of alleviate a lot of stress that might be happening that is unwarranted. There is stress that you're dealing with in the processes in your life that is unwarranted. You do not need to go through it. And so if you think about it long enough and you think it through strategically, you will find a strategy to work to your benefit to create a system for these processes that you're dealing with. So I tell you the story because I cannot function without setting up these systems and allowing them to take place. And I'm also telling you this because I'm telling you that these are these other business and these other streams of income that I'm creating. And then later I'm going to buy a house and do Airbnb and I'm going to have multiple properties and stuff like I had in the past. And so this is the kind of world that we are living in. Of course, you need to start thinking more entrepreneurially generally. And a lot of you may not even realize this about me, but I am an entrepreneur. I'm somebody who's been doing business for years. I sell supplements, obviously, to you guys on the podcast. If you want to buy the longevity supplements, they're absolutely incredible. I've been taking them every single day for the past seven years. Um, So there's that aspect of business. And you know, I'm telling you this because at the end of the day, maybe there's something in your life where you don't have to have it all figured out. Sometimes you just got to commit first and figure it out later because the commitment, the energetic and spiritual commitment that you're making to a a new program, um, to a new business, to anything you're you're not going to know everything at first but then eventually it all kind of weaves together you ever like committed to like a workout plan um and then you're thinking well i got to wake up at this time if i'm going to work out and 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 anybody who's ever gone out of the gym and then come back into the gym this is a perfectly explanation here so if you ever like if you're in the gym or you like to work out you're into fitness um, if you're not, maybe you can't relate. But if you're into fitness, then there probably have been times where you've moved to, moved cities or you've uh, you've moved g- gym one gym to another because it's less expensive or whatever. Um, or you just you paid for a membership and you had you you got off the bandwagon a little bit. You stopped working out for maybe a month or 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 a couple weeks. So if that's ever happened to you, then you definitely can relate to what I'm saying now, which is that if you've ever gotten out of a funk and you felt like you know, um, you're, you're, you're not working out correctly or you're, you're out of that, that zone, but you, then you commit, you say, Hey, I'm going to work out. This is what time I'm going to do it at. This is what it, this is what it's going to look like. This is the goal is to look like this and to lose this amount of weight or gain this amount of strength or whatever your goal is for your fitness, right? Well, you set the goal, you commit and you're like, okay, I'm committed to that goal. But then what happens is then you go day one, day three, day 18, day 48, all these days that go by, in those days, you are creating better processes for you to get to the gym on time, do the workouts, get your shit done, and still fit in your life, right? Your career, your other, your family, you know, your friends. You're still able to manage all the time, and it all kind of figures it out. But when you look at it from the outward perspective, thinking, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to make time, right? Make time for this. Make time for that. And it's amazing how much time we're spending wasted on things that really aren't benefiting us. So there's so many angles to take a look at here. There's so many things you could be doing differently. And so when you do take on a new venture, a new idea, a new business, don't be afraid to commit. I went ahead and bought that Kia, right? I bought the car not knowing for sure if I was gonna make the second car work. And I, I'm basically like still kind of just 
hanging on a thread here, right? Like I need, if I could sell the Subaru, maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. So I'm kind of like wondering what am I going to do ultimately, right? Like how am I going to handle it in the future? Or is this Subaru going to be great on Toro? And is it going to be a great moneymaker for me continuously for the um, foreseeable future? And the answer is probably yes. I'm probably going to have an awesome time with the Subaru and it's able going to, it's going to be able to benefit me much longer into the future. So anyways, um, that's kind of an update for what I've been dealing with. I have also been following news and information. Um, but I think this podcast is dedicated to making you all better. And by sharing this information and my life story and getting more intimate with you guys and sharing, um, kind of the things I've been going through, I've been stressed out a lot. I've been having anxiety around this issue. Um, and so on a vulnerable level, I'm kind of like, Hey, I'm, finally able to take a breath and I'm finally able to focus on the things that I really want to focus on. And one of those things, definitely one of the biggest things is this matrix breakers podcast. So appreciate all of you for being patient with me and hanging on a thread here. And we're going to get into more great topics in the future, but I wanted to share that with you now. Thank you for listening guys. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Please feel free to reach out, message me, um, and you know, ask questions if you'd like to love to respond to some things and I'd love to help you. If you're interested in Toro, if you're interested in, you know, buying your own travel trailer, maybe you're interested in all that stuff. Maybe you're interested in those kinds of incomes. There's no one listening to this podcast that cannot do that. Um, you can absolutely do that. Anything is possible. So if you're interested in anything like that, I can definitely help you as well. So I'm an open book. Uh, feel free to reach out via email or of course, um, via, uh, social media. So you guys have a great rest of your day. Peace.